I've kind of been, I've been thinking about um, Western New York, kind of reminiscing, and one thing that we always did, my family, when I was growing up every summer, we would go one day to this amusement park that was on, it was in Canada, on the Canadian um, shores of Lake Erie. It was called Crystal Beach. And the, my father worked for the utility company, and they would have a picnic, and they would invite all the different um, regional um, people and uh, we would go there for uh, like half a day and we would ride the rides and we always had such a good time and last year I was at a family reunion and um, one of my cousins came up to me now she's a year older than me and she started reminiscing about one of our um, trips to Crystal Beach and she said to me something like why did they ever take us in there? And so we went back to the story, and so we're trying to piece it together. But it goes something like this. We are in the kitty land part because we're little. I'm like six, she's seven, my sister's five. And we, for whatever reason, we're gonna go in the fun house. Now I'm using quotations because you know where this is going, right? So we follow my aunt in the fun house, and. We're walking through all these obstacles and crazy floors that tip all these different ways. This is a long time ago, you know. <laughs> so there's mirrors that, you know, make us look weird. And we're following my aunt, and then we follow her into this room that, to me, is pitch black. Because we've just been in all this bright light, and now we're in this really dark room, so I do not like it. And then all of a sudden there's this loud buzzing noise and on this wall, this like cage lights up and inside is the devil. <laughs> so, you know, it's like that. And so we're freaked out. We're like three little girls just freaked out. And my cousin and I were just frozen. And like, I could go into hysterics like that. You know, it didn't take much at all. And I would stay there for a long time too, but I've gotten a lot better. But anyhow, so we're just frozen there. And it, so I'm piecing it together. So my aunt is trying to get us to move along because we can see when that buzzer comes on in that light that if we just walk by the devil, <laughs> we'll get out into some light again. But there's no way we're moving. Well, I don't know exactly what happened, but I'll tell you the end of it. I am in the arms of a man that I have never seen before in my life, and he's climbing out a one-story window down a rose trellis carrying me, and I look up, and there's my dad with my niece, uh, my cousin in his arm, and he's coming down the rose trellis too. You see, we could follow my aunt as long as we could see where we were going, but when it got dark and it got scary, we just really weren't that sure about following. So today we're going to talk about Nicodemus, who was a follower of Jesus. And uh, the title of the sermon today is Being a Follower of Jesus, Into the Night to Reach the Light. Into the Night to Reach the Light. So Nicodemus, we learn a lot about him just in the first two chapters there of John that Whit read for us. Let me go back to those. I usually mark it, but I didn't. So we're in John 3. And there was a man from the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to him at night, came to Jesus, and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform these signs you do unless God were with him. So we find out Nicodemus 
He's a Pharisee. He's very schooled in the scriptures. And he comes at night to Jesus. So that part of him coming at night is something that's discussed in a lot of um, different sermons and commentaries. And so there's always like different takes on it. And so one take is that he comes at night because he's embarrassed to go for whatever reason. You know, maybe he's embarrassed of how he's been living his life. Maybe he's embarrassed that he doesn't want his fellow Pharisees to see him. Maybe he's scared. He doesn't want his peers to see him going to Jesus. Um, Sometimes it's been interpreted that he's a shallow believer, and that's why he goes at night Maybe there were too many crowds in the day and he knew he couldn't get close to Jesus. Or maybe he was so busy he couldn't go in the day. He could only go at night. But I'm going to propose something different for you. And what if when John is talking about the night, what he's talking about is he's describing a condition or a circumstance rather than a time frame in the 24-hour day that we have. Because have you ever thought about it that there's kind of like a daytime life and then there's a nighttime life? And in the daytime life, we're like all shiny like a penny and everything's going really good. And then there's that nighttime life, you know, like when it's just us and maybe things aren't so shiny and maybe things aren't going as well. And that's what I'm wondering about Nicodemus. Is he going in to see Jesus when he's not on the top of the world? So let's kind of look at him and what we know about him again and what we see about Nicodemus. So the daytime Nicodemus, he's a Pharisee. So he has this identity in the culture, in the society. He's looked up to. And not, he's not just a Pharisee. He's not just a scholar. But he's also on the Sanhedrin. He is interpreting the scriptures. So it's not just that he knows all the scriptures. If there's a question about him, he is interpreting this. So he is way up there. He probably has wealth because of this. He um, has a sense of security in who he is. People know when he walks down the street, people recognize Nicodemus. He's probably garbed differently than others. And he's got power. He's got power in this society. But how about the nighttime Nicodemus? Because the nighttime Nicodemus is coming to Jesus. The nighttime Nicodemus, even though he has all this power, and even though he is interpreting the scriptures, he's coming to Jesus. And so I feel like Nicodemus is at a crossroads where he's realizing that there's more going on and there's more to life than what he's maybe seen or been doing. He might be feeling kind of lost and confused in his, in his status and his position. We have that saying about being in the dark, right, when we don't know. I mean, Nicodemus is in the dark. He's coming at night. I think that maybe Nicodemus was looking for more beyond the daytime life. You know, maybe it's more than material things. Maybe it's more than having a title. Maybe it's more than people looking up to you. 
And I think that Nicodemus has been wrestling with some really deep questions, and that's why he's going to Jesus. He's putting himself in a very vulnerable place. He's putting himself in a place where he's no longer in control when he goes to see Jesus. Now, like I said, we all kind of have that daytime and nighttime life. It's not just Nicodemus. When I look at social media today, I see a lot of daytime lives. You know, everything is just going great for everybody we know. And they're just traveling all around the world. And I was thinking of a friend of mine. He was from Japan, but he used to have this saying, and he would say, everybody's everything. And that's like when we would go, we would go to a party or something, and, you know, and all the beautiful people would be there, and he'd say, everybody's everything, you know. And so that's kind of, you know, social media. I hate to be, um, sound so cynical, but... It worries me a lot of times when I start seeing things that are, like, I haven't seen any posts from a person for a long time, and I'm going to pick on the men uh, right now. And then all of a sudden I see um, a husband posting a lot about how, lo how much he loves his wife, and it worries me. And, and for good reason, I found out. So we kind of have this illusion or this facade that we put on, but in um, the night, we lose that facade. Have you ever lost your job or changed jobs? And it's scary. Like, your identity is gone, right? You know, like, when I stopped working and I became a stay-at-home mom and I wasn't Phyllis, as they say here, over to the Arts Council anymore, it was like, who am I when I go somewhere? You know, we really define ourselves by our professions and all these things. And that daytime life, those are all things that we've created for ourselves. And you know what? As even when they're really great, it's still not as great as what God has for us. Amen. You know, we're settling for less than what we could have, even though it's really good. This daytime life is incomplete. And we realize that in different ways. And we try to fill that incompleteness with different things. We know that. And Jesus talks about that in verses 3 and 4. And he says here, Truly I tell you, unless someone is born again, he cannot see the kingdom. And Nicodemus says, this is a question and answer going back and forth between Jesus and Nicodemus. And Nicodemus says, how can anyone be born when he's old? That's a really good question, right? Can he enter his mother's womb a second time and be born? And in some ways, that's what we're doing when we're going to Jesus. We're going back to him. We're going into that night. We're going into that unknown. And what do we do? We have to just go into it, and we just have to say, I'm going to trust you. I don't know where you're going. I don't know where you're sending me. I don't know where you're going to take me. But I'm going to trust you. I'm going to let go of trying to create my own life and then recreating it over and over again because it never gives me what I'm ultimately looking for. I still got that emptiness inside me. Only Jesus can fill that. In that nighttime, we're going there and we're saying, something's lacking. Now, when we're in that darkness, we're in that night. We don't like it. 
So we're, it's our tendency to try to cut it short and grab something else to fill that void, but we know it's not gonna work. It's difficult in there. It's painful. It's uncomfortable. We're going in there with all our warts and our blemishes and our past, and it's not pretty for any one of us, but we're going in there. You know what happens? There's that rubbing, and there's that molding, and there's that movement, and there's that tension that's happening there where Jesus is saying, don't go back. Don't go back to try and doing it yourself. Come to me. Lean on me. Let me mold you. Let me change you. Yes, it's uncomfortable, but walk through it with me, right? Because he's going to walk through it with you. He's going to take you from that night, from that darkness, into a light like you have never seen before. Amen? That true light is going to come. We need to learn to let go of control. It is the hardest thing, I think, that anyone, uh, that's, for me, it's extremely difficult. I've made progress, but I got a long way to go. But I'm going to keep working on it because the glimpses that I've seen of what happens when I just turn it over to Jesus, right? Better than I could ever imagine myself, for my family, for my friends, for anybody. You know, I have a friend that I've been praying for for a long time, and uh, she's got some other medical things going on now. And I said, we just got to pray about it. We just got to pray and just say, Jesus, work it out. Not try to tell him how to work it out. Just work it out, and I know we will. And let me tell you a story about that friend. A couple years ago, when um, in 2020, I hadn't been able to visit my mother for uh, quite a while because of COVID, and I was really torn. Was I going to go to Florida and visit her? Was I going to fly? Was I going to drive? You know, all these things. And I just couldn't get any peace about it. I really didn't. And so I was just in the house by myself, and I said, Jesus, I just don't know what to do. I am just going to give it to you, and you are going to work it out for me. And then I went out of my house, walked down my driveway to get my trash can. (laughs) It's not glamorous all the time. I go to get my trash can, and my friend, who I just told you about, was walking. And she stopped, and we were talking, and I was telling her, this was on a Monday, I said, I'm thinking of going to Florida on Wednesday, but I'm not sure about it with my mother, you know, to see my mother and how I should handle it and everything. And she said, hey, we're going to Florida next week. Why don't you just ride down with us? I mean, this is like 10 minutes later. I'm telling you, when you cry out to him, he is listening. And sometimes immediately, right? Immediately. So Nicodemus has gone there. He's got, he knows there's more. He knows that he's seen those signs. He knows he's seen the wonders. He knows the scriptures. He knows who Jesus is and he's going to him, right? And so at first he's still asking those questions. He says, how can that be? And I think at that point, Nicodemus is still looking for that daytime answer where Jesus is going to say, you do this, you do that, you do that, and he's going to be able to handle it himself. But we know that's not the answer, right? The answer is we cannot do it ourselves. I don't care how good you are. We can't see and we need to trust God is going to recreate us in a spiritual way, 
It was hard for me to say that, but I got it out. <laughs> Not by our works, but our spirit. God is reshaping us. And what's he reshaping us into? The likeness of Christ, his own son. So when he looks at us, that is who we see. And when we go into that night, and we go into that night, and it's uncomfortable, and we don't like it, but we meet Jesus there face to face, like I said, with all our warts, all our insecurities, all of that, what happens? We take on a new identity and we join a new family. We have a new identity. And in the new identity, these are the kind of things that you hear when you talk to God. He calls you beloved. He calls you child, child of God. He calls you his masterpiece and tells you that he, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And he looks at each one of us and he says to us either, Son or daughter. Son or daughter of the God of the Most High. It's an amazing change that takes place when we go into that night. It's not easy. It's not easy to take it, to go there. But it happens. And, you know, in this story of Nicodemus, in the third chapter of John, is the most known verse in the entire Bible, I believe. And that's, of course, John 3.16. And this is where God tells us what he did, what he's going to do, and why he's going to do it. For God loved the world in this way. This is the Holman, uh, so you might know the NIV better. He loved the world so much. He loved each and every one of us, those before us, and for as long as this earth is here in this state, he loves those who come after us so much that he would give his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Amen. That's what he did for us. That's how much he loves us. That's how... He looks at us. We have so much worth because of him, because of Jesus. He sees us. You know, when I was a little girl, I was just couldn't do, I just couldn't make that move out of that darkness into the light. But this is what Jesus wants us to do. Sometimes we got to really go into the night and you got to really go into the dark and you got to face it, right? But you're never alone when you do that. You have never been alone, and you never will be alone. To be his followers, we have to go into the night. But he's like glue. He's with us everywhere we go. I mean, I heard it said one time that when you go to Starbucks, Jesus goes to Starbucks. He's with you all the time. We must surrender our desires, our power, our identities to the one who has the very best for us, Jesus. Amen. 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 He did so much for us, and now we're going to celebrate that. We're going to celebrate and remember what Jesus did for us, and we're going to join together in communion. So first, let's have a time of confession. You know, all are welcome at the table. All are welcome. There is nothing you have ever done or will do that can keep you from this table, that can keep you from communion with your Savior, okay? 
Repentance is available to all and mercy and grace is available to all. So let's go to him right now. Dear Lord, we come to you. We come to you in our blemishes, Lord, in our past. We come to you in the night, Lord. We just let go of all the pretenses. We let go of the facade. We let go of trying to control things on our own. And we come to you, Lord, and we just lay it down. We just humble ourselves before you, Lord, and before that cross, that you loved us and love us so much that you brought your son from heaven to earth, that he would walk among us, and then he would die for us, that you would raise him again so that we can have eternal life with you, and we know he is coming again, and we praise you for that, Lord. And so we just ask now, Lord, hear our prayers. Hear our confessions. Amen.